Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. Uh, so, uh, happy post-Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, and in the, be- in the season of thanks, um, I just want to start by just appreciating uh, everybody who participated in the 180 Care Package event. Uh, just want to let you know, for those of you guys that have helped, served, gave money, uh, sacrificed your time, and especially even your prayers, um, the event would not have been as successful if it wasn't for you guys. Um, now, for those of you guys don't know what I'm talking about, every year in November, our church does um, a care package event to give to uh, care packages to NYU students. Um, and it's for the sake of promoting mental health awareness. And so over the years, we've collaborated with many different businesses, uh, particularly Spot Dessert Bar, um, to uh, promote one, uh, mental health. And This year was actually pretty amazing because not only did we get uh, Spot Dessert Bar, but we got many other uh, businesses like Rumble, Haven Cafe, and many others that I didn't mention uh, to come together to give out 350 uh, uh, sweaters um, that says I am enough. It's like a champion sweater um, in, in addition to 270 care packages itself. And uh, most importantly, the 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 greater message is that for people that are struggling um, and feeling the pressure and feeling overwhelmed, that they will know that their value is not based on their performance, their value is not based on their GPA, uh, but how God sees them. And because of, la- because of that, they are worthy and they are loved. And so this was an incredible event because it's the first time we actually had a venue um, rather than a grab and go or people and all these students came together. And I have to say that uh, this was probably, even though it was the biggest, it was probably one of the most smoothest events that I ever experienced. And I really have to thank the college students for that. And usually I don't encourage them. You know, usually I make fun of them. Uh, but uh, I have to say, maybe because it's the season of thanks, um, I really do have to give a shout out to all of them because without their brainstorming ideas, their hard work, their sacrifice, it would not be to what it is. Um, and especially during the operations of it, um, I had no idea our, our fellow students were such type A people. You know any type A people in your life? Man, there's so many in our... In, in, our, in our college fellowship, and they give me a headache, man, because type A people, they're a little bossy, you know, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, it's great because, you know, for me, sometimes I, I'm a broad picture person, so they're super detailed, um, super focused, and they want to make sure everything is operating in a schedule and in the right place, and, f- and because of that, it's so smooth. But, man, with type A people, if the schedule is a little off, man, if something is not according to their plan, man, they freak out. Um, and that's actually what happened during this, this event. It was during like probably three hours before, uh, two particular type A people, um, they're not here today, but I'm going to call them out anyway, Hyung and Selly. 
Uh, they are probably the biggest type A people in our fellowship. They compete with Minyoung in certain ways. And they come in and they, they, they come up to me and goes, Peeps, we got a problem. I'm like, uh, like, why do we have a problem? We didn't even start our event yet. We're actually an hour early. You know, we're, we're just about to set up. What is the problem? She goes, both of them go, peeps, uh, I know we're supposed to start at 7 o'clock, but there's students out at 4.30, and this is not part of our agenda. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, there are students that are waiting outside, and it's 4.30 right now, even though the event starts at 7, to wait for these care packages. And I'm like, why the heck are they waiting at 4.30 p.m.? The event doesn't start in two and a half hours. And they go, peeps, you don't understand. Uh, they told us that they missed out last year, so 50 of them lined up. And they want to make sure that they don't miss out on this one. And I share this story because I think that's a really good picture about what Advent is all about. Because the theme of Advent or the idea of Advent is about um, waiting in anticipation. So as these students were waiting for these free care packages and the swag that uh, they're going to get, in the same way, Advent is uh, for, for us that are Christians and even for some of us that are seekers. It's about waiting in anticipation about Jesus' birth and what that means. right? And uh, Advent meaning, in Latin meaning, eventus, meaning arrival, that's what it's all about. So here, uh, throughout uh, the last four weeks until Christmas, um, it's really about remembering the importance of Jesus' arrival here on earth and what his birth actually means. And I know for some of us, uh, like this is something that we do often every year, but just want to let you guys know, for those that are new here, or those that didn't really grow up in the church or are in part of this or know this part of liturgy, this is something that we observe um, and partake with many other churches worldwide to remember uh, Jesus' birth and his arrival. Uh, because there's something about Jesus' birth that is very special. And I think a lot of times we often forget and sometimes we um, overlook a lot of times, and that's why we have to come back to remember the importance of what he brought into this world because we know this world can be very broken and very dark, right? Because when it comes to birthdays, when it comes to birth, I know for some of the younger folks, uh, we want to remember our birthdays, right? Especially those that are under 21, you know? We, want, we, we are excited about our birthdays, right? I know those students, they're always, uh, they carry... Um, like fake IDs, because the anticipation of going uh, at uh, being 21, they don't have to worry about getting caught. And I'm calling you out, you know, some of our fellowship people, because I know I'm not dumb, right? <laughs> but it's all right, I let it slide, it's called grace, I, right? But, you know, like for, for the younger folks, we, we get excited for our birthdays, but, you know, for, for many of us here that are getting older, we like to tend to forget about it. Right, you know, you start at you starts at 25, and you go a little older. Um, you know, you're like, oh, it's my birthday coming up. Some of us, you know, we change the number of our birthdays. I know for some of us, they uh, we think that if we don't celebrate our birthdays, we, we don't get older. You know, I know there's some of us that think like that, and and I think a lot of times because of that, we we kind of forget and overlook the importance of the birth. But here in Advent, what we want to I want to come back to is remember the importance of Jesus' birth. 
and going into and immerse ourselves in the story of Advent or the arrival of Jesus because it is so vital and valuable to our faith, to our life, and what that actually means for us here and now. And so in Advent, we go into these four themes of hope, peace, joy, and love that you see in the banners over there. And what Jesus offers to us 2,000 years ago and even now and until his return of what that really means. And so today, my theme or the theme that I'll be talking about is hope. And I think hope is actually very vital, especially in our culture today, because I believe that we are in a generation or in a time where our world is becoming more hopeless. Um, we are a, a people and a world that's losing hope because if we actually look in our culture today, um, it's becoming actually more unstable and more volatile more than ever before, right? Um, I just read up uh, in an article on Forbes magazine and they were saying how the Gen Z generation, how many people are Gen Z here, right? There are a few, yeah? Uh, the Gen Z generation, they were saying that 75% of students feel stressed going to school because they're afraid that there's gonna be a, a school shooting. And if you look at the statistics, there are more school shootings than there are days and, this, and the year is not even over. Right. Um, we also see that there, uh, there's climate change has actually happened. And actually, many of the people that are millennials and actually Gen Z, they're thinking of not having children because they feel like it is irresponsible to bring kids in the world if the world is uh, becoming a worse place. That's what they feel. Right. And then don't get don't get me started with the uh, polarization that's going on in our country. Right. That's going on with China and Hong Kong around the world. And, don't, uh, and, and I don't even have to continue to with the facts about how 75% of us are struggling with anxiety and depression, right? And that overwhelming feeling that we have again and again and again. And this is why for many of us and um, what we feel is that there's a sense of, and a direction of hopelessness and helplessness that many of us actually feel. And that's why today I think it's so important that we go back to Advent. And we talk about uh, the hope and the hope found in Christ. Because I believe that as we go into this, we go reminded about the good news of the gospel, um, where to anchor our hope, and that even in the midst of the, the struggle and anxiety and even the darkness that we might see outside, and even in the despair that we might be feeling internally, there is a hope that we could hold on to. There's a hope that we could actually um, anchor ourselves to. And in the midst of all the circumstances and the situations that we might find ourselves in, that there is, the good news is that there is a living hope that we could actually look up to. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Cool? All right. So what we're going to do is going, we're going to go into Matthew 2, um, and we're going to go into the beginning of Jesus' birth, uh, right in the beginning after he, he was born, and see through the lens of the Magi what it, why Advent is so imperative and so important uh, to find hope in such a hopeless world where, where we feel right now. So we'll go into it. All right, Matthew, uh, Matthew 2 verse 1 says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star and when it rose and have come we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed 
and all Jerusalem with him. And so who were the Magi, right? And so the Magi were actually uh, astrologers from the east, specifically Persians. So these astrologers or these Magis um, back in uh, their day, uh, maybe early before, you know, 1 BC, uh, they would be known as the academics and the philosophers of their day. And why they came to uh, Jerusalem specifically uh, was the fact that they heard that there would be a Messiah to be born, a savior that would be a king of kings. And how did they hear that? Well, because 600 years ago, there was also a Jewish Magi named Daniel, and he prophesied that there would be a savior that would bring hope, peace, joy, and love to the world. And so the Magi come and they try to find this Messiah. And of course, as you're looking for a Messiah, if you're looking for a king, what's the first thing you do, right? Right, you look for the, you go to the capital, right? You go where kings are born and you go where there's the wealth and influence are born. So you go to the, you go to Judea, you go to the capital, right? Um, sorry, not Judea, you go to Jerusalem, right? Where, where they are because that's where everything is. And as he goes into the palace, and as they go into the palace, and they go to try to find the king of kings, and they try to find the Messiah, in hopes of looking for him, what they find is not uh, the king of kings, but what they find is a false king. Right? They find King Herod. And for those of you guys growing up, King Herod um, seems like, like a cookie cutter, like a uh, villain in the story. You know, he was, you know, we know that from the story that he's paranoid, he's mad. Pretty much, if you like Game of Thrones, he's a Targaryen, if you think about it in that way, right? That's like the, the caricature of King Herod. But actually, if you look at history, um, they look at Herod in a very different way. Um, in fact, when you look at King Herod in, in terms of history, he's actually considered a great king. Actually, he was nicknamed Herod the Great. You know, that would be a nice nickname, right? Who would want to be known as Herod the Great, right? We all do, right? We want to be great. That's why we're in New York, right? So... Uh, he was known as Herod the Great, and the, he was known as Herod the Great because he was actually very cunning in the way of his leadership and his gifting and his, actually his kingship. You know, he was a guy that actually learned how to maneuver through the political system. Um, he learned how to maintain his power. He was a guy that uh, maintained his power until the end of his life, which is very hard to do back in those days. But most importantly, King Herod was actually... Uh, very revered by many of the Israelites because he actually rebuilt the temple of Israel. And if you guys don't know what that means, it's like this. It's like when, uh, it's like for New Yorkers when 9-11 was hit and it got rebuilt. There was this, and once it got rebuilt, there was a sense of pride, right? There was a sense of restored glory. There was a sense of like respect and honor that came back when we saw those two tires being rebuilt in, in, that, in that way and what we see right now. Pretty much Herod did that for the Israelites. And so that's why he was considered great. That's why for many of uh, the Israelites, that was something that he was to be revered and he actually was looked up to. And that's why part of the reason why is that the Magi's actually looked to uh, Jerusalem to see King Herod, to see if that might be the king. But when he looked, when they went there, and he saw King Herod, what they what they found was not, and what they hoped for was not a great king in the in an internal sense, but actually more of a terrible king. 
al- although he was although he had great achievements externally internally he was actually not good in fact what we see later on it was a he was a mad and paranoid king he was a he was a king that was willing to do whatever he can to maintain power he was a king that was actually ready to even kill and create genocide and kill babies because it was such a threat to them you know and and in the beginning that's where the magi thought they would want they thought to put their hope in for example um uh about a year ago um i used to live in the city um called the mulberry apartment apartment may it rest in peace um it was yeah danny i know he was one of my roommates staying there and, and it was it was an amazing place um i love that place it was a huge place it was a place that i did not deserve but um being there for probably many years was always a precarious place why it was a precarious place i will not go into full details but i will give i'll go into some but it was to a point where it was something that my brother had that um he rented out and something where because of various reasons i was able to stay and one month became two months two months became years and there was a point where my brother was like you know you might be able to stay here forever and i told my brother forever and he was saying yes forever there is a good ch- chance that you might live here forever and i was like oh i was like god you have plans to prosper me <laughs> you know that's what i was thinking you you are near you're not against me you are for me and i'm going to stay in the city forever i was like all right this is the thing this is the place and so as we go in we're in court and like i said i'm not going to go into full details but i'm in court it seems like i've been sharing a lot of um <laughs> places where I got arrested going to court all that stuff <laughs> but this is that one of the I'm in court um and everything looks amazing and everything looks good and I'm like all right I I this apartment's going to be mine I'm going to stay here forever this is my salvation I'm going to do ministry here people are going to hang out here people that need to sleep over will sleep here this is the perfect place in the perfect environment and I'm waiting for the verdict because the verdict looked everything in our favor and then when we got the decision the judge says you must leave in a month and to be honest with you i was devastated i went to back to jeremiah i said like, god i thought you had plans for me to prosper me what is this right and then to console me sean was like hey peep you can live with me in jersey and i was like new jersey <laughs> what's good in new jersey <laughs> i think sean was offended Right but he was like Jersey he's like and I was like I don't want to live in Jersey but you know um you know by the grace of God you know that that was an option that I was able to take and to be honest with you in hindsight it was an amazing decision but I would have to say that in between that um I was really disappointed I was mad at my brother for gi- giving me these false expectations I was mad at the judge for giving me so much hope because it was like this was supposed to be ours right um and to be honest with you i was probably depressed for about 2 months and it didn't help it was in the winter and it didn't help that i was in new jersey <laughs> right but i was literally depressed for 2 months until i came to the realization that i was just being really really dumb you know 
And it just started to click with me and help me and it made me realize that I put all my hopes and my stability into an apartment that was never even really mine. You know, I put my hopes in an apartment that was actually really precarious in the beginning in the first place. And I wasted all my energy and all my time and actually even moments that are in the present because I was holding into a hope that, what didn't, that wasn't even very stable. It was actually very frail. And the reason why I share this story is because I think for a lot of us, when it comes to hope, and a lot of times why for many of us in our generation, uh, we struggle with hope a lot is because a lot of times we focus and put our hope and our trust and our future in things that are so fragile and precarious. You know, and I think the world has told us to trust in those things. They're like, yeah, trust in your trust in money, you know, trust in fame, trust in influence, trust in all these external things that will make you great or that or that or the world considers great. But in reality, those things that w- the world considers great are actually quite very frail, fragile, and they actually fall apart. You know, you know, romance is a big thing. So it's like, you'll be happy and put your hopes in a significant other. For those that are married, you know, I, my, my friends that are married, they tell me all the time, no, that's not true. You, I put my hope into something. Dude, there are some times where they just want to, mm. You know what I mean? I won't say who they are or who it is, but that's what I hear. You know, uh, you put your trust in your friend and you pour all your, your energy uh, to uh, a cl- your best friend or your close friends, they will fail you right? People will fail you because people are enough, right? We put, I mean, people are, uh, put their energy in politics. I mean, <laughs> politics is funny, right? And, but I saw it 2016, everyone, I mean, not everyone, but there were so many people in New York City and NYU that were depressed after the election because when Trump won, right? And I'm not, I'm not picking sides here, but I'm just saying what I saw is that people were depressed because everyone thought that Hillary was the hope. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. Like so many, and the people were depressed. You know, if you put your put your put our hopes in people and even leaders and even myself, I will fail you. I fail my college students all the time. My students, man, they get, I think like every month they go, "Peeps, you said something mean to me today," and I was like, "Oh, I did." <laughs> it's like, "Peeps, how could you be so harsh? Why do you sound so mean?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. That's just who I am." <laughs> Right? And, and I'm a pastor, right? You, so people will fail you. Leaders will fail you. And I think what the, the Advent season reminds us of again and again and again of the realities of the false hopes and the false things that we trust that are so fragile, fragile and fall apart. So the question is this. Uh, how, why do we need Advent in um uh, in a generation where we feel so hopeless is, is this. It helps us identify the false hopes that leads us to despair. And so that's my question to you is, what do you put your hope into? What do you anchor your uh, hopes into? You know, some of us, we think it's a career and money and the recession is coming and people are afraid of the recession. And so there's anxiety and, and, and hopelessness there too, Right? And so that's the question I have for you as we reflect, as we go into the journey of Advent and Jesus' birth. What do, we put our, what do we really put our hope in and what do we anchor into? 
so then what do we do next right I know for some of us it's like okay peeps um, if that doesn't work out and you know you're saying that not to put the trust in the put any trust in the world then don't I shouldn't just put hope in anything right and just remain cynical uh, low expectations I know a lot of people do that they're like yo if I put low expectations then I don't have any expectation and I won't get disappointed right but we are hopeful creatures right we have to look forward to something and that's why Jesus came and this is what we see in the text let's look down verse 9 says this it says after they have heard the king they went on their way, and in the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what did the Magi do to find hope? They looked up. What did they do to find the living hope? They followed the star, which is the light of the world. And what they found when they followed the star was baby Jesus. Um, and, G and here we see the king of kings, the king of all creation, incarnate as a human being, not coming in, as a pa in a palace, not coming in with uh, pomps and circumstances, not, not coming in with royalty, but you find him in a manger. Uh, some scholars say that he was probably in a cave with animals, with shepherds and magis. Uh, I don't know about you, but that wouldn't be my birthday party. But that was, the part, that was the birthday party that Jesus had. Animals, shepherds, illiterate, dumb shepherds that were probably the lowest and the outcast of society and, and magis who are not even Jewish. And if you look at that scenario, right, of Jesus' birth and how he came, what does that say about our hope? And what does that say about hope, right? And the reason why he came specifically in that scenario, in that situation, in that moment, tells us a reason why Jesus came. That in the, in, in the, for the peoples that were the most furthest away from God, for the people that were struggling with the greatest sense of darkness, whether it's poverty or isolation or fear, you see Jesus come in to be in the midst of that invulnerability, not with strength, not with power, not with majesty, but through his presence to be with them, to be amongst them, to be amongst us. And that is the power of the hope and the living hope that God has for us. You know, for example, one of the amazing stories that um, I experienced during the care package was not the event itself. Although it was great. It was so fun, and I ate a lot of ice cream um, and a lot of desserts. Um, one of my favorite moments when I was preparing for the event was one of the students that came up to me after we finished preparing these care packages. Um, and it was one night uh, on Sunday. Um, there was a few of us left, and she was one of them. And she came up to me, and she doesn't believe in Christ. Um, she's discovering, and she's part of our community in our church. And she recently came to semester, um, and she helped so much and to be part of the event. And she said, Pastor Billy, I really, th I'm, I'm really thankful that you, you guys are doing this. And I was like, 
oh, what do you mean? Like, why? Because, because when you guys when you guys met me um, at the at Club Fest at NYU in September, to be honest with you, I was not looking for God at all. I was not looking for church at all. You know, I came from a Catholic background, and I was tired of going stepping, uh, standing up and down, and I had I, I I didn't want anything to do with it. But when you guys were coming in and you said that um, you, you guys were doing something about mental health and you were doing that about faith, that intrigued me. And just to actually even see you guys actually putting all your energy and all your time and your effort and your heart to care about this makes me realize that you actually care about me because I'm one of those people. And I don't believe in God yet. And I'm not sure if he is there, but she was telling me that if he if he does exist and if he's real, you know, you guys are helping me know that he actually might actually care about me. And for her, what she sees and in her experience and everything of that's going on brought her hope. Now, I don't know where you guys might be. I don't know what you guys are going through. And perhaps maybe right now you're in the midst of whatever darkness or struggle or hopelessness right now. And if that's you, my encouragement to you is to look up. Uh, my encouragement to you is not to look at other things, uh, cope in other places, but my, my challenge to you today is to actually look to Jesus because he's called the living hope. And he's not a hope that's arbitrary. He's not a hope that's just wishful thinking, but he's a hope that's alive. He's a hope that is with us. He is a hope that is actually walking with us every step of the way. And that's what in the incarnation actually means. You know, that's why Jesus, um, like we were saying before, he stepped on his throne to be amongst us. Because the hope that we have is not something that's so far out of reach. It's not something that we have to attain or chase after, but it's something that is a gift that God has given us through himself, through the cross, if we actually acknowledge and receive him. And through that, through that light, we can overcome every single darkness that we are going through. And I know uh, for some of you guys, it might not be that you might be going through darkness, but you might know someone that might be struggling in the darkness. And if you know, and if you know anyone that's going through that, Advent is a reminder that we are called to invite people to that hope. You know, we are called to invite people to the living hope in that way. In fact, the Bible says that we are the children of light, you know, the star, right? It's, it's not a surprise as a star. We're, we are the children of light. And, and, and for us Christians who have Christ in us, are, we are empowered and God has given us every gift and ability to bridge people who might be needing to hear him, to find him, um, and we can actually be the bridge to actually bring them to it. So in this Advent season, I want to invite you to that. And I want to invite you to that hope and to be reminded in that hope. So what's the second point here? This is it. It points us to the one who is the true living hope. So will you stand with me tonight, today? For uh, those who believe... And for those who are seeking, Adventist, the Advent season is about the arrival of what the Jewish people call Emmanuel, God with us. 
have a lot of friends that make a lot of money where they go, what I, I, what I put my hope in is my millions, millions of dollars in bonuses in the hedge fund world. What I put my hope in is what I can see. What I put my hope in is what I can understand. But if you look at Christmas or Advent through the eyes of logic, you're going to miss it. Christmas and Advent, it's about wonder. The bright lights on the Christmas tree, it's about the star of Bethlehem. It's a sign. It's the prep, perhaps before the second coming of Jesus, perhaps the greatest sign in history. And that's what we all need to be looking for, a sign of God's movement, of God's direction. Because when we studied cosmologically, the star of Bethlehem was a comet, the largest comet recorded in history. And that's how the Babylonians found it. It was the size of four moons lighting up the Middle East sky. And I want you to think about this, okay? I want you to now think about it logically, okay? Look at me, look at me. Look at my beautiful face. Let the light hit my face. The probability of a comet orbiting the earth in the exact moment Jesus is born in a barn and for the magi to find him is like trying to catch a bullet, riding a horse, blindfolded. It's impossible. That was the sign. This is why the Magi came. This is why most people in the Eastern lens, in the Middle East, believed in a king that would rise. Because the star was literally like a supernova multiplied by four, and only a comet could do that. It was a physical, supernatural miracle, visible to everyone living in the Middle East. It was recorded in history. You couldn't miss it. It was in the sky for months out of end. Most likely, that's how Jesus will come back in the same supernatural event. If you want to put your hope in anything, and, and Peebs highlighted eloquently today, all the precarious nature of, of, of our times, there's no greater hope then the God of the universe, which is Emmanuel, who is the same, the Bible says, yesterday, today, and what? Tell someone next, forever. forever. There is no better news than the one who is unchanging to hold your life and to lead your life. That's what the Star of Bethlehem is all about. So today, <laughs> if you think you're smart, you're not. Go, no, I'm smart. I, I got it. I got these plans. And just like Peeves had those plans about holding the Mulberry apartment, which was like 3,000 square foot that he got to live three years for free, that was just an assumption. And many of us have assumptions about our lives. And how many times does your life turn out the way you think it would? 
right? <laughs> so take your life out of your hands. Take the leadership out of your life and put it into God's hands. The one who is unchanging, the one that controls everything, the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the, that's what the gospel message is about. That's what Christmas is about. The God of the universe showing himself and saying, I care for you. I am here for you. I see you in your suffering. I'm going to save you. Amen? So the question today as we close is who, who will lead your life? You who can't even guarantee a job tomorrow? Automation could take your job. A robot could be much smarter than you. And you could be like really smart. You go to Harvard Business School. You're all set up. And then you have a dumb person running the country. You go, well, logic should rule. Well, (laughs) governance is not always logical, is it? We've seen that full display. Or will you put your life in the hands of the one that controls the universe that took a comet from the outer solar system brought it near at the exact moment Jesus was born prophesied a millennia ago trying to catch a bullet riding a horse blindfolded backwards I think The smart idea is to put your life into the one that holds the universe in his hands. That's what what Christmas is about. Not government, not the economy, not the market-driven things. Things would disrupt continually over and over again. The only constant is that things change. The only person, sentient being, that doesn't change is God. Emmanuel, God with us. So will you pray with me today as we close? God, we've, we've seen in this passage that in two millennia, nothing really has changed. A mad king inherited in his paranoia and Addiction to power creates genocide, kills children, separates them from their family. Jesus becomes a refugee to Africa. Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mad kings still are ruling different countries of our planet. And you came right in the midst of our reality, in the midst of this darkness. So God, today we we confess we don't put our hope in government. We don't put our hope even in idealism or optimism. We put our hope on the one that's unchanging. We put our life into your hands, God. Lead us. Guide us 
as you once did with the star of Bethlehem. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.